looked at the story of Joseph. Hey, I got my voice. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, we, last week, we looked at the story of Joseph and how Joseph uh, had a choice to make. He had a choice to make of whether he wanted to go forward with God's plan or not go forward with God's plan. Of course, he did. Uh, by the way, if you're wondering, uh, we're just going to ask you to keep praying for um, Corey and Lena. I have no updates or no news on that, but uh, this was planned. Their due date was yesterday, so this was planned for him not to be here today. So um, we're hoping that everything is moving along the way that it's supposed to be moving along as uh, yesterday was the due date. So keep praying for them and, and asking the Lord to uh, bless them with an easy and quick uh, delivery. So the story today that we're looking at is the story of Mary. And before I get into the story of Mary, I was, uh, this week was listening to, has anyone ever seen the musical Hamilton, by the way? Just a simple raise of hand. If you haven't seen it, it's a wonderful musical. You can check it out on Disney. Uh, Disney Plus, I think, or whatever, has uh, the musical uh, Hamilton, and it's a wonderful story of the president of Hamilton. And, and it's actually very close uh, history-wise, they follow it very, uh, very well. So, but as I was watching this, as I was listening to this music, there's a song called "Who Will Tell Your Story," and the song is actually at the very end of the musical. And at the very end of the musical, they talk about you know who's going to tell your story, the story of. Hamilton, and, and it ends up being Eliza, his wife, that's going to tell this story and tell the story of all these wonderful things he did. When I was thinking about this, I started thinking about who's going to tell the story of Mary. And, and it's weird to think about this for a moment just because Mary is this amazing character in Scripture and she's blessed by the, uh, she's blessed by the angels that come down and share the story with her and open this up to her. And uh, Robert, just to let you know, you're going to have to control my slides from back there, please. Um, so Mary is this um, amazing character who, who uh, in the story is, is blessed, but she's faithful. That's the one thing that, that is known about Mary is that she's a very faithful person. Mary is faithful above and beyond all things. Not only to having Jesus as, uh, not only being Jesus' mother, but she's also faithful in terms of her walk with Christ, or her walk in her life. Before she's even visited to the angels, we know that Mary comes from a family that is known to be faithful. A family that is, if you follow her genealogy, the line of David comes through the genealogy of Mary and Joseph, and so we find this to be a very faithful family, a, very, a family that is built upon uh, God and what he is doing in their lives. But there's an amazing story to be told here about Mary. Do you know that she is the only person who was present at both Jesus' birth and death? Think about that for a moment. She's there at not only the birth, but she's also there at the end days, the very last days of Jesus' ministry on this earth, both from his death on the cross, where he's then put into the tomb, but she's also there when Jesus comes back and is resurrected. And so we find Mary at every stage of Jesus' life. And it's an amazing story. Let's read in, in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 
26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to hear her, and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, I just... I, I want to pause there for a moment, just because I want to make sure, I, every time I read this story, I have to pause and I kind of chuckle when I read this story. Because can you imagine, just for a moment, you're there in your own little home, you're, you're praying, maybe you're spending your alone time with the Lord, you're sitting there, you're just trying to reflect on the day, and then all of a sudden, an angel appears before you. Can you imagine just for a moment the heartbeat of Mary? I bet her heart rate went from like in what an average heart rate of whatever it is. I know in the low 90s, mid uh, you know, 100 beats per minute, all the way up to 170 or whatever it would be. Her heart is probably blowing out of her chest at this moment. But I love this. This greeting that the angel comes to her. He says, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, if you're Mary, at this moment in time, what are you doing? You're asking yourself, okay, why isn't an angel visiting me? I know the history of when angels come to talk to people, and it's not always good. There's either some that come and give a good blessing, but most of them come, and they're warning angels, and they come before us, and they're going to share something that is not good. So in Mary's mind, she's trying to make up what kind of greeting this would be. In fact, the next verse says to her but she was greatly troubled at the scene and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Mary's asking herself, is this angel coming for good things or is this angel coming for bad things? She was greatly troubled at the scene because she did not know whether the greetings and the oath-favored one is in a good way or a bad thing. What is the Lord going to ask her to do next? What is God himself, who sent his angel to her, going to ask her to do? And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now before we get to Mary's response, we just have to dive in here for a moment. You have to understand what is being said to Mary at this moment in time. What is being prescribed, what is being announced to to Mary is that there's going to be an amazing event that's about to happen. She has heard, she has known, because she, she is part of a faithful family, she knows the prophecies. She knows the words that have been spoken down through the generation from time to time. She has probably read them herself. She has probably been in the temple when the prophecy and the word was given about this virgin birth of a Savior that's coming. See, this was something that was pronounced, this is something that was announced, and it was read in the temple often, because the, Jew, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people, were looking forward to that day. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. 
Now, not only is she nervous about the greeting that the angel is bringing her, but now, at this very moment, the angel is announcing to her that she, Mary, is going to be the one, the virgin, who brings forth this child into the earth. Her response is an amazing, and it's a question that I think we should all ask. Her response is, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, if you know scripture at all, and you've read uh, the Christmas story, not too far before this story is the story of Zechariah. And the story of Zechariah is that he's in the temple and he hears from, the, from God the Father. God the Father speaks to Zechariah in the temple as he's doing his duty. And Zechariah doesn't believe the word that's given him. In fact, Zechariah is told that he's going to give, his wife is going to give birth. Elizabeth is going to be pregnant. And Zechariah doesn't believe. In fact, he mocks, in some ways, this word. And, and so the angel comes to Zechariah and says, Because you did not believe. Because you did not believe what we have told you, you are going to be without voice for nine months until the child is born. Now we find later on Mary faced with an angel telling her all of these things. The difference between Zechariah and Mary, before we jump into the story of Mary, you have to understand the differences here, is that Mary did not question or doubt what was going to happen. Mary just asked, how is this going to happen? Zechariah doubted that it was going to happen. Mary asked, how is this going to happen? See, it's okay to ask God, we're going to get into this a little bit more, but it's okay to ask God questions. It's not okay to doubt his authority and his word to you. You can ask God questions like, how is this going to happen? How am I going to do what you've called me to do? How are we going to achieve the will that you have given us to achieve? How are we going to do all of these things? It's okay to ask those questions. Mary asked that question to God, but she never stopped doubting the word that God had given to her. Verse 35 says, An angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called Baron. She goes on, Mary goes on to have this interaction with the angel. But the angel answers her and says in verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary hears from the angel. He, she hears what God is speaking to her about the coming of the birth of Jesus, and then she believes. She asks how, but she believes, and she moves forward. Let's pray before we jump into the faithful servant, Mary. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst here. 
and across the world. Lord, this is a wonderful season. It's a countdown to the birth of Jesus Christ, the birth of our Savior, the day that we celebrate this, this birth, this, this gift that was given to us, Emmanuel, God with us. Father, in many ways, this season takes a lot of faith. It's in many ways, walking the life that you've called us to walk takes a lot of faith. And so today, Lord, we want to come to you and we want to learn from Mary. We want to learn about this servant Mary who said, yes, not only will I do what you've asked me to do, I will be a faithful servant through every step of this process, Lord. And so, Lord, may we learn from Mary. Will you help us to learn in the same way as we read these scriptures? May we see how faithful she was. May we see how willing she was to do the work of the Lord that was given to her to do. Lord, what an amazing honor it was that Mary received from you. But we receive an amazing honor every single day when you ask us to go forth and to do your will on this earth. And so, Lord, help us to respond in the way that Mary responded. Help us to respond in truth and in love and in grace and moving forward in every step that you have called us to do. Lord, open our eyes to the scriptures that will be read today. Help us to receive the message by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Be with us today. Guide us, strengthen us, and walk with us. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We find in the story of Mary that the presence of God resists, or I'm sorry, <laughs> resists, the presence of God rests with those who are willing. In the story of Christmas, we find all of these stories, all of them are have a choice to make. Whether it's Joseph, whether it's Zechariah, whether it's Elizabeth, whether it's Mary, whether it's the angels, whether it's the wise men, they all have to make a choice. The choice is, do I listen to what God has told me to do and follow him, or do I not? What we learn in this story, in all of these stories, is that when you say yes, when you're willing, the presence of God will rest upon you. It's not until you are willing to go forward and say, yes, Lord, yes and amen. There's a wonderful worship song that we say, yes, Lord. I'm, I'm going to not sing it, but you'll hear in your mind as I say, if you know that song, the song says, yes, Lord, yes. We cry out, yes, Lord, yes. See, there's a willingness in Mary's life to do what God has asked her to do. There's a willingness in Joseph's life to do what God has asked him to do. This is an amazing interaction, and honestly, I could sit here in just these one little verses and stay here all day long and talk about this presence of God that was with Mary. But what we find is that Mary had a willing heart. That was more important than anything else. Her heart was willing to go forward. Her heart was willing to do what God had called her to do. My question to you today is, are you seeking God's will for your life, and are you willing to move forward in that way? Are you willing to do the things that God has asked you to do? I don't know that any of you have been asked to give birth to a... The son of God. In fact, I know for sure none of you have been asked to give birth to the Son of God because that's not going to happen again. The next time Jesus comes, he's going to be on a white horse. And he's going to be coming here to overthrow and take us into eternity with him. And I can't wait for that day. Amen? 
None of us have been asked to do that, but in each of our own way, we've been asked to give birth to the calling that God has inside of us so that we can go and change the world. Mary knew that this child inside of her that she was going to give birth was going to change the world. Mary knew that he was something special because the angel came and pronounced that to her. And so she has all of these things and she has a choice to make. Am I willing or not? And of course we know that she was willing. She was willing to go forward and the presence of God rests upon her. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Mary became pregnant. And the presence of God not only was upon her, but it was inside of her. Do you understand that when you get Jesus inside of you, it changes everything? For Mary, Mary was a faithful woman before then, but because Jesus was inside of her, my, oh my, can you just imagine that? We talk about opening up our heart and letting Jesus in. Here we often say, just open your heart and allow Jesus into your heart. And those are wonderful things. We need to do that. But could you imagine having Jesus resting inside of your womb? She was changed forever. Mary was a wonderful lady before all of this began. A wonderful young woman who had chose to follow God. But, man... God inside of you, Jesus inside of you, Emmanuel with you, changes you. So you all today have a choice. Do we allow the Spirit of God who rests inside of our heart to change us, or do we hold it at the side and not allow it to change us? Mary allowed the Spirit of God to flow through her. Let's jump over to Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. This is obviously after Jesus is born. Jesus has been started his ministry. We find that Jesus is not accepted in his hometown. Surprise, surprise, right? Jesus says a prophet is not even accepted in his hometown. And this is truly one of their own stories. We see in Mark chapter 6, verse 1, he says, He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in a synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus was not Mary's only child. You have to take a moment to allow that to set in. For me, as a, as a young man who was raised in a Catholic home, and, and for many years I was a good altar boy who would light the candles, I would be there. We were taught in the Catholic Church that Mary was only gave birth to one person, and that was Jesus. Obviously, Scripture tells us otherwise. Scripture tells us that Jesus had brothers and sisters. And in fact, we will later hear where Jesus himself from the cross announces to his brothers that now his mother has to be taken care of by someone else. But there's this story that's going on that's here. We have to understand that Jesus is not the only child. Mary's only child is not Jesus. Mary has other children, but yet we find Mary always with Jesus wherever we go. There's not a lot of Scripture in the New Testament that talks about Mary. 
But there's many when the places you read, she's always at Jesus' side. She never leaves his side. She's the first one to give birth to him. She's the first one to believe in who he is. Joseph and Mary were technically be called the first Christians who gave and believed in the Savior Jesus Christ. Mary and Joseph followed Jesus, allowed to accept God's calling that they had on his on their life, but they believed in who he was. They believed beyond a shadow of doubt that he was someone special, that he was going to be, he was truly the Son of God. Joseph had to make that choice when he was given the name. Who, what shall you call him? You shall call him Jesus. And Joseph had a choice of not calling him Jesus, but he did. Mary had a choice to say, yes, I'm giving birth to someone special. Obviously, angels visited me, and so did the, the wise men, and so did the shepherds, and all of these things that happened. I, I, I'm giving birth to someone special. But Mary went beyond that. She wasn't just someone special. Jesus wasn't just special to her. Jesus was the Son of God, and she knew that. She was just a willing vessel to allow the Spirit of God to rest and to be birthed into this world. John chapter 7, verses 3 to 5. So, so his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in the secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Now, I've already made the point that Jesus obviously had brothers and sisters. Could you imagine fighting with Jesus as a brother or sister? You, mom's favorite. Yes, I know, I'm the son of God. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We'll get there in a moment, Jay, actually. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? I mean, listen, my sisters thought they were pretty special growing up, but this is nothing compared to what Jesus could say to them, right? Could you imagine the arguments? <laughs> Wash the dishes and Jesus is parting the water in the sink, right? Oh, there's so many jokes we could go there. <laughs> but could you imagine just for a moment? But isn't it interesting that the very the very ones that grew up with Jesus, his brothers and sisters, had a choice. And the scripture seems to tell us, for not even his brothers believed in him. Now we later find his brothers doing ministry with Jesus, and so they must have come to a place of understanding who Jesus was. But could you imagine Mary put in this very difficult place? Mary knows that Jesus is the Son of God. Mary knows that she's giving birth an amazing thing, but yet her, her sons, her other sons, during their life growing up, don't even believe in who Jesus is? There's a conundrum there. There's a, there's a difficulty there. Why didn't, her, why didn't Jesus' brothers and sisters believe at this point? I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us why they didn't believe. 
Maybe they were angry. They wanted to see Jesus go. Or maybe they were bringing too much attention on his family, on their family, and, and they were afraid that their family might be harmed. I, I, we can only make assumptions. But Mary still believed. I laugh because, you know, for many years as a young man growing up, I, I loved technology and I would come home and to my house and my parents would ask me, you know, even today they still do this one. My mom or my father has a problem with their, their phone. They call me, can you come over and fix my phone? Yes, mom. I, I would try to tell you how to do it over the phone, but it's much easier for me to just come and grab your phone and fix it. And so that's what I do even today. You know, I go home and I fix that phone and I, and I do those types of things and even to this day, I still do that, and I love technology, but it was at some point today, uh, or this past week, I was staring at my computer, and I couldn't figure it out. And I thought, who am I going to call to fix this? You, who am I going to call to get this worked out while well, I had to call someone younger than me, <laughs> who knew technology better than me? The point of all of this is that his brothers did not believe in him because they had yet not experienced him. When you experience Jesus, when you experience technology, and, and, and I, I'm, I know I'm relating Jesus to the technology and they're not even close, so please forgive me for that. But when you experience Jesus inside of your heart and he changes who you are, it's amazing. You want to go and help other people experience the same thing. You want other people to see how great Jesus' life was and what he's done for you. You want to show them how easy it is to follow Christ, how wonderful it is to follow them, how easy it is to do these types of things and just to walk with him. Jesus' brothers did not believe, but Mary did. In fact, we find Mary also, John chapter one, or John chapter 2, sorry, verse 1. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. If you read your Bible, you know this story. And the mother of Jesus was there with him. <laughs> Jesus was also invited to this wedding with his disciples. And so they're all there together. And what is happening at this wedding is that there is no wine. The wine has run out, as scripture tells us. The mother of Jesus says to him, they have no wine. Jesus is like, what do you want me to do, woman? Right? I paraphrase. Okay, let me read this directly. And Jesus said, oh, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And so we find Jesus taking the water and we find Jesus turning the water into wine. It's an amazing story because Jesus has not yet started his ministry. Jesus has not yet done one miracle. Jesus has not healed anyone. He has not opened anyone's eyes to the blind. He has not, he's been in the synagogue a few times, as Scripture tells us. He's, I'm sure, certain he's been there and he's been sharing the good news of the Lord coming and, and his life and how he's going to be here. But he has not done one miracle yet. But who is the first miracle? Who calls out the first miracle in Jesus' life? It's Mary. 
Mary believed in Jesus with everyone else against him. His own brothers are telling him to leave. His own brothers don't believe in him. His own sisters and family tell him that they don't believe in him. Yet Mary believes so much so that Mary calls out the very first miracle out of Jesus because he's at the wedding. He's at this wedding, and of course, there's no, the, the importance of this is to understand something, and, and I didn't put this down in this slide, so just hear me out for a moment. The importance of this wine is that it's not just any old wine. See, what happens in most weddings at this time and age, what they would do is they'd bring the choice wine out first, they'd bring the best wine that you had because, well, as people tell me, I don't know the answer to this because I've never involved it myself, but the more wine you drink, the less you know whether it's good wine or bad wine. Is that true? Okay. No one wants to have pastors ask me if that's true. If I say yes, the other one's going to think I'm an alcoholic, so I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to be quiet and not say a word. It's okay, all right? Listen. they would bring out the best wine first and said, therefore, when the first wine came, it would be tasted and everyone would go, this is wonderful. And then as the evening went on, what would happen is that they would bring out the less quality wine, maybe the Aldi wine, right? <laughs> this is no longer the wine you get at, maybe, I don't know, is Aldi wine good? I don't know. Someone tell me yes or no, I don't know, but whatever. <laughs> They'd bring out the box wine after the bottles were done, right? Okay, there we go. How's that? But what's going on here is that Jesus turns this water into wine, and when he does this, the, the master of ceremony drinks the wine, and he says, this is the best wine. Usually you wait until the end. This is the stuff that Jesus didn't just make any old wine. He made the best wine that there was to make. Now, why is this important? This is important because Mary, above everyone else, believed in Jesus. Mary knew that Jesus could do this miracle. And even when Jesus wasn't ready, woman, what does this have to do with me? Well, it has everything to do with you because I'm asking you to do a miracle at this wedding for our friends. And Jesus obviously starts his ministry. Mary believed and spoke into Jesus' ministry. Mary believed before anyone else did. Mary could be said she was the first believer in Jesus Christ. She was the first one who believed who he was here on this earth, I should say. Of course, God the Father knew who Jesus was. But here on this earth, Mary was the very first one to grasp a hold of everything that he was and saw all that he was and believed in him and spoke into his ministry. She not only believed that Jesus was special, but she knew that Jesus had powers that he could do things beyond our abilities. And so therefore, she calls it out to him. My question to you is that, who is this Jesus inside of you? Do you believe that the Jesus inside of you can do miracles? Do you believe the Jesus inside of you? Now listen, I haven't seen anyone making water into wine. But I have seen people healed. I have seen miracles of birth. I have seen miracles of people being pregnant when they're told they're not going to get pregnant. I've seen miracles of people overcoming obstacles and, and things in their life when they shouldn't overcome those things. Why? Because God blesses us with his Savior inside of us. 
and he's calling us to let him come out and to have faith in him. Mary had such a faith in her son that she knew he could do whatever he wanted to do. My question to you is, do you have even a remote mustard seed amount of faith that Mary had? Mary believed beyond all things. And she blessed and spoke into his ministry. If you have your Bibles, turn, me to John, turn with me to John chapter 19. We find Mary not only, as I said before, was not only there at his birth, was not only there at his first miracle that Jesus ever did, but we also find Mary at the very end of Jesus' life and also his resurrection. But standing by the cross, John chapter 19, verse starting at 25. I'm sorry, John 19, 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas. Yeah, how do you... Clopas. And Mary Magdalene. We find these ladies at the foot of the cross as Jesus is being led up the hill of Golgotha to the very top to be hung on this cross. We find Mary there. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever buried a child, but it's one of the most difficult. I've never done it myself, but I have been there for others that have and seen that, and it's one of the most difficult things that you could ever do in your life. To watch your child, the one that you love, the one that you brought into this world, die before your own hands and before your own eyes. It's an amazing thing. I can't imagine the pain and suffering that Mary was feeling because not only is she watching her son die, but she's watching the Son of God die. She knows all that he is. See, Mary not only knew who Jesus was, but she knew the power that was within Jesus too. So she knew what Jesus could do. She knew in a matter of seconds he could call down a legion of armies and take care of it. She knew that he could overcome the cross. She knew all of these things, and yet she has to sit there and watch him die on a cross. What an amazing story. And the pain and suffering, I'm sure, that was built up inside of Mary as she watched this happen. Mary truly was the only person present at both the birth and death of Jesus. What a terrible pain she must have suffered. Too many times our faith is based upon things going well in our life. Too many times our faith is built upon if everything's going okay, then we're going to be okay in our faith. Too many times we find ourselves being able to walk the faith. Where is your faith when things aren't going the way that they're supposed to go? Where is your faith when all of the world is against you? Where is your faith when your son is dying on the cross before you? That's the question that we really have to ask. And that's the question that Mary dealt with inside of her heart. She knew inside of her heart that Jesus was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Mary had the faith, I believe, not only to bring Jesus into this world, to be with him during his ministry, but I believe Mary knew something special was still going to happen. I believe that Mary was close enough to Jesus that she knew at some point Jesus was coming back. 
Why do I believe that? Because we find Mary where? When Jesus is coming back? Now, Scripture mentions several different Marys, but we also know that the mother of Mary, Jesus, the mother of Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, was at the tomb when Jesus comes back. Was she the very first one? Scripture isn't clear on the very who the first Mary was that saw Jesus inside of the tomb as he was resurrected. But we know that she was there. We know that she experienced that. We know that she knew that he was there. Now, she could have been there, as Scripture says, she was there preparing the body with spices. That was an action that they often did before you buried someone. You would wrap them in linen soaked in other types of spices so that when, without being <laughs> disgusting, but when the decaying process began, if anyone has been around a dead animal, you know what that smells like. Multiply that for a human. And that's why they would wrap them in spices. Mary was there to do that when Jesus came and was resurrected. Mary was there at the death. She was, I'm sorry, Mary was there at the birth. She was there at the death. And she was also there at the resurrection of Jesus. We find this story over and over and over again. We find Mary everywhere that Jesus went. In fact, we find after Mary's life and after Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, where do we find Mary? Now listen, if you have just experienced your child dying and you've just experienced your child then resurrecting, I mean, some of us would say, okay, I need a break, right? I need to go home and I need to rest and I need to just process what's going on. Talk about a migraine, Miss Tanya. That would have been one heck of a migraine, right? But the, the just the amazing effect of what I've just experienced, all of just sitting back and thinking of the 33 and a half years that I've experienced with this Son of God, with this man named Jesus who came into my life by an angel proclaiming his birth to me, who I am a virgin, and then watching him live his life and do these miracles, and then seeing him die on the cross, and then seeing him resurrected. What's next? Many of us would say, I need a break. I'm going to go home and rest for a while. Not Mary. Where do we see Mary next? We see Mary next with the disciples in the upper room. She's with the disciples receiving the Holy Spirit with them. She's with the disciples beside him, beside them, helping them. And we also find that Mary was not only beside them, but she had a ministry. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It says, All of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now, if you remember, I just said, Hey, earlier on, we read a scripture that says, Even Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. Guess what? You resurrect from the dead and you're going to start believing, right? His brothers come back running and go, whoa, wait a minute. My boy was pretty special. I gotta get I gotta get it right with him, man. But Mary had a ministry. Now this is amazing because you have to understand the time frame that we're in. This isn't like today, where today we welcome and and women are welcome into ministry today. We want women, we, we want you to be, ladies, we want you to be part of the ministry. We want you to operate the gifts that God has given to you. We want you to be there. You're not delegated to a certain role. Back then, it's not the case. 
Back then, you had certain roles that you were allowed to do. Certain positions you were put in. The fact that Mary was with the disciples praying in this room could have been because the disciples just said, hey, listen, you were with Jesus all this time. We need some of that Jesus juice to spread on us. Come on over. We want to rub shoulders with you, right? But I think Mary had this encouraging heart inside of her because all that she saw and all that she experienced and all that she was there for. So she wanted to be with the disciples. She wanted to encourage them. She wanted to pray with them. She wanted to be there. But it wasn't just Mary. It was her whole family. Her brother, Jesus' brothers were there. They were there experiencing this joy together, experiencing this time together, experiencing these things. Mary, talking about getting a double portion, right? If you read the Old Testament, you find that uh, Elijah and Elisha are asked, Elijah asked Elisha, what would you like? And he says, I want a double portion of what you have. Mary got a double portion of the Holy Spirit because not only did she have Jesus inside of her, but then she also received the falling of the Holy Spirit on her in that upper room during Pentecost. Talking about a double blessing. That woman was a blessed woman. Now, I want to stop here just for one moment before the worship team comes up and tell you this. Again, I grew up in a Catholic home. I grew up in a Catholic church. And Mary is a very special woman that we can look at and we can spend a lot of time and we can share our heart with and we can learn a ton from her because she was a faithful servant. She was faithful than, she was more faithful than any of the disciples. You don't find Mary falling asleep when Jesus asked him to pray. You don't find Mary not believing that Jesus can turn water into wine. He believed he could do anything. Mary, even before Jesus turned a few loaves of bread and fish into enough to feed a thousand, she knew the power that he had of multiplication. And so she believed in him and the water turning into wine. She had all of these things and she's an amazing woman and we can learn a ton from her, but she's not God and she doesn't need to be worshipped outside of receiving our worship. Our worship goes to Jesus and God himself only. It does not go to Mary. We can hold her on a high regards and we can say she's a special woman. And she was a special lady who was blessed by God. I say that because some places put Mary on a pedestal above or right on the same lengths of God himself. And they say prayers to her. And they light candles to her. And they do all of these things. I love her life. I love her story. I love everything that she did. But my prayers to Mary... I pray to Mary, Mary's not here anymore. Jesus is the only one still alive. He's the only one resurrected. He's the one who's interceding on our behalf on the right hand of the Father. It's not Mary. It's not anyone else. It's Jesus, God the Father. We pray to him. He prays to God the Father. They answer the prayers. Jesus meant so much to Mary that even after he leaves, she continues to be devoted to ministry. This is a, listen, I don't know how old Mary was when she gave birth to Jesus. Some people say she was in her teens. But Jesus lived 33 and a half years on this earth. And so let's assume she was 20 years old when she gave birth to Mary. That means, or when she gave birth to Jesus, that means Mary was 53 years old when Jesus died. 
some of us in this room, when we think about turning 53 or 54 or 55 or 56 or a little bit older, we start to get in those years of our life where we're like, I just want to, I just want to cruise a little bit, right? I just want to take a step back. Mary should be our guide in this. Mary had every reason to step back and take a vacation. Mary had every right to step back and just say, I've lived a wonderful life. I've done what God the Father asked me to do through the angels. I've done this. I've raised Jesus. I've done all that I could do. I've blessed him. I tried to take care of him the best that I can. I was with him his whole entire life. I was there when he died on the cross. And so therefore, I am done. Mary wasn't done. Mary still had a ministry to do. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter what you've gone through in life. If you're still breathing in and out on this earth, you have a ministry to do. Until the Lord calls you home, until the Lord takes you from this place and says, come on home, dear brother, dear sister, it's your time to go home. You still have a place and you still have a calling to do on this earth. You still have a reason to get up every single day and say, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to bless somebody and I'm going to be faithful to him until he calls me home. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your, your time spent or how, many, how long you've been a Christian. As long as you're here and as long as you're following Christ, Christ wants to do good works through you. But you have to be faithful to him. Worship team, you can come forward. You have to be willing. You have to be a willing servant wanting to be faithful. You have to be a willing servant wanting to do what God has called you to do. Mary was just that. Mary was a faithful servant who was willing to do whatever God had asked her to do. Are you? Are you willing to do whatever God asks you to do? Even if that means bringing ridicule upon yourself. I didn't even touch this. Mary was ridiculed. You know, the reason why Joseph wanted to divorce her quietly was so that she wouldn't be ridiculed all her life. She was ridiculed for having a child out of wedlock. People would call her names that I won't repeat at church on Sunday. People would judge her and look at her. Her life was changed the moment she chose to be a willing servant with God. Now, that life was much better and she was blessed. Some would say, blessed her socks off, right? truth of the matter is that Mary had to make some hard decisions. I'm either faithful to the one, this child who's going to be coming forth from my own womb, who isn't mine. It is mine. I'm giving birth to the child. But it's really the Son of God. Am I going to be faithful to that? Am I going to raise him and, and, and try the best that I can? Mary also, by the way, she was, I told you before, she was a good Jewish young lady. Her belief in Jesus Christ put her at odds with her own church. Do you understand that? Mary didn't just lose and get ridiculed from the people around her, but she was most likely then also cast out at some point from the temple that she went to. Think about that for a moment. The very church that she went to would cast her out because the Jewish Rabbis, the Sadducees and Pharisees at that time, did not believe in Jesus Christ. And so therefore, if you believed in him, you were ostracized from the church. So Mary gave up everything. Her life, she gave up the future, she gave up ridicule, she had to take upon the ridicule that she took upon. She took all of those things, and yet she still believed. She was still there to serve Jesus. 
with him at his side everywhere he went. Scripture doesn't tell us if, if Mary was at the miracle that when Jesus spit into the man's eyes and he became able to see. Scripture doesn't tell us if Mary was in the crowd when the young lady who had a bleeding disorder reached and touched the hem of his robe. But I gotta believe she was there. I gotta believe that she followed him everywhere she went. She was with him because she believed in him and who he was. Will you stand with me, please? How much does Jesus mean to you? That's really the question. What child is this? Mary had to ask herself that question. What child is this? Is this just a child that I'm bringing forth? Is this just a, you know, I'm this willing vessel that I'm going to hold on to this baby for nine months and then I'm going to give birth to it and then I'm going to turn it over to God and say, there you go, God is yours. No, Mary did more than that. It wasn't just a willing, Mary wasn't just a willing vessel of carrying this baby and bringing it to life. She was a caretaker of his life during the early years. But she was a believer who believed in him. And so therefore she lived a blessed life and she saw many things happen. Could you imagine being Mary at that wedding when she's seen her son making water into wine? Mary knew what he could do. Do you? Do you know what Jesus can do in your own life? Do you know that this child that was born that we celebrate this Christmas season is more than just a child, that he can do amazing things inside of you? If you just believe, if you just have faith like Mary had? It's a wonderful story. And I remember the day that Joe was diagnosed with cancer. Sorry, Joe, I didn't tell you I was going to do this because it just came to my mind. But amazing story, but I, I, I remember interacting with them and I remember, I'll be okay. So we're going to pray for you, and we, we did, we prayed for Jay, and we prayed for Doreen, but I remember the faith that they had that they're going to be okay. Jay actually even made a joke about it and said, I have the, what's the, what's the cancer you have? The, yeah, but you, you, said, you said something else, it was the Yes. I said, Jay, I don't want any cancer. <laughs> I don't want any leukemia. But the faith was there. See, it's what Jesus does inside of you that changes who you are if you allow him to do it. Jesus, if you accept him into your heart, if you ask him to come, if you pronounce it, if you confess, as Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you invite him into your heart, that means you have everlasting eternal life. That means that you have a chance to walk with him on this earth, but you have to allow him. You have to believe in him. It's more than just saying words. That verse says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. See, that believe in your heart is the faith part. To have faith that Jesus is more than just my ticket to heaven. That Jesus is just more than my ticket of not going to hell. That he's here today to help me. He's here to walk with me. He's here to heal me. He's here to guide me and strengthen me and help me do all the things that God has called me to do. He is here. All I have to do is be faithful. The question is, how faithful are you? What child is this to you?
That's a question we have to ask. The story that we learn from Mary is that she was faithful. Faithful beyond all things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the faith of Mary. We thank you for the calling on her life and what you did with her. Jesus, we thank you that you walked this earth. We thank you for your mother Mary who walked beside you, believed in you. And Lord, today we want to ask, help us this day to answer the calling that you have on our lives the way that Mary answered the calling. May it be, may I be the servant, may it be to me as you have said it would be. A total letting go of our will, a total letting go of the future of our life because we are accepting what you have for us. That's what Mary did. Mary went before you, Lord, and she accepted the calling that she had. She accepted what you had asked her to do, and she gave up everything. And you blessed her. And so, Lord, today, may we, in the same way as Mary, stand before you and say, Lord, may it be to me, your servants, as you have said it will be. I accept the calling that you have on my life. I accept the plans and the future and the will that you have for me. And may I set aside mine for yours. May I walk with you. May I be beside you. May I believe so wholeheartedly with you that I can know that you can turn water into wine, that you can heal those that need to be healed. May I just have the faith to walk in that way today. Help me today, Father. Lord, if there's those that are either listening online or here today that have never pronounced their faith in you, have never accepted you for what you have done, may today be that day where they step back and say, I want to confess with my mouth. Confession with your mouth means that you are letting go of the sins that you have on your life, saying, Jesus is enough to pay the price of my sins. And then believing in my heart that what Jesus did on the cross covers the penalty of my sin. When you say those words, when you believe in that, when you confess and you speak those things and you're granted eternity in heaven with him. And then starts our life of servanthood towards Jesus, accepting what he has for us to walk in the path that he has called us to walk. Help us today, Father, for here today, Lord, and we've already given our life to Christ, but somehow we have put aside, we have not had the faith that we need. May today be a day of a faith injection into us, Lord. Like a vaccine that's pushed in our arm, may it be instead a faith injection of your Holy Spirit and your power that comes upon us, that we can follow you and go to where you want us to go, every step of the way. Guide us and strengthen us in this day, so that we can do your will, Father. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you now. In Jesus' name, let's worship together. Amen.